Frequency Cast. Startup in progress. Hi, and welcome to Frequency Cast, the UK's digital TV and technology show. At Frequency Cast, it's our mission to keep you up to date with today's tech, answer your questions, and keep you entertained along the way. Our shows are driven by your feedback. You decide what we talk about, and we'll do the rest. Here's what we'll be looking at today in show 91. We try O2's new to-go service. Just what can you do with a Raspberry Pi? Controlling your PC with a wave of your hand. Keeping an eye on the UK's mains power. Plus sport, Wi-Fi and storm tracking. First off, here's Pete with the latest TV and tech news. Frequency cast, now loading, news. First off, Freeview. The switch-on of 4G base stations is starting this month. First off, Leeds, Bradford and London, followed by 17 more towns and cities. How badly will this affect Freeview reception? Filters at the ready as we watch closely to see the impact of this new data service on the country's Freeview. If you're affected, please let us know. Staying with 4G, unlike EE, Vodafone and O2, the mobile broadband firm 3 will start offering unlimited 4G data at no extra cost from December. Initially available in three cities, this will increase by 50 by the end of next year. We're wondering if 3 will have to change its name to 4. Next, one set-top box manufacturer has finally started including Wi-Fi as standard. A new version of the Sky Plus HD box has just been launched and includes built-in Wi-Fi, ending the need to run long cables to your router or mess around with a pair of home plugs. Sky's also made available something called an on-demand connector to allow existing Sky boxes to use Wi-Fi. If you've never connected your Sky Plus HD box to broadband before, the connector is free. However, if you've already connected your set-top box, Sky cheekily won't give you a free adapter. Instead, you'll have to pay £21.50 to go Wi-Fi. Now, news of the next Nintendo handheld console. When we first saw this, we assumed it was an April Fool's joke, but it seems it's real, and it's out next month. The Nintendo 2DS drops the unpopular 3D mode, and also the hinge. It's a very odd-looking handheld console compared with the previous models. See the picture up on our show notes. What's not odd, though, is the price, £109. That's half the price that the 3D version launched for. Next, Tesco's plans for world domination continue, as news of a Tesco tablet is released. We can expect a £100 Android-powered Tesco tablet by the end of the year, no doubt preloaded with their Blinkbox movie service plus banking and shopping apps. Next, BT Sport. Since our last show, a deal's been struck allowing Virgin to show BT's new sports channels. These are free on Virgin TV XL, otherwise £15 a month. The year of the smartwatch continues with the release of something called the Cuckoo. This is a Bluetooth watch that pairs to your Apple device and notifies you of missed calls and messages, lets you trigger your camera remotely and offers a one-button Facebook check-in. Price £100 and there's more on our show notes. Android users don't despair as the Samsung Galaxy Gear smartwatch is very close. Next, are you a Windows 8 user? 
October the 17th sees the release of Windows 8.1, featuring a rethink of the start screen with different sized tiles, a global search and built-in cloud storage. Also the return of the Windows Start button. I can tell you're excited. And finally, no entry for heavy goods vehicles, residential site only. That was what Swansea Council sent off by email to get translated into Welsh. When the local road sign was finally erected, it actually said, I'm out of the office at the moment, please send any work to be translated. Yes, the out of office message made it to a road sign in Wales. Where's the babelfish when you need it? Thanks Pete. For more TV and tech news, go to frequencycast.co.uk forward slash news or follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Okay, time to dive into the main part of the show. Hello, Kelly. Hello, Pete. How are you? I'm incredibly well, but slightly confused by a TV ad. By any chance, is it the O2 ad? I used to be a cat. Every day the same. Do you know, there's something about this ad that I just don't get. Now, I tweeted this and Facebooked this at the start of last month, saying, what is this all about? And a lot of listeners dived in and said, no, it all makes perfect sense. And I collared you before we started the show, and you're as baffled as I am. Why be so cat? Why not be a bit more... dog? Yeah, I really, really don't understand this, and I'm so glad that you've actually asked, because I keep staring at it on the TV and thinking, what the hell is this about? I know advertising's meant to be creative and make you think outside the box, but I just don't get it. Why would a mobile phone company want you to be more like a dog? I mean, the only logical reason I can see for this is that cat videos are the most Googled things, and they're jumping on the bandwagon. It could be, you think they're just going for the whole viral marketing, let's put a picture of a cat doing something crazy on and YouTube will go wild. Well, why not? I mean, the moonwalking donkey did pretty well. And the sneezing panda? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) In all seriousness, do you know what on earth they're trying to do with this dog-cat business? No, but I'm hoping you've found out and are going to tell me. Well, only from what the listeners have said on the Facebook feed, and I still don't believe it, they're trying to get across that networks are lazy so the likes of Vodafone and EE and all the rest of it are just getting very lazy like cats and O2 is going to be jumping about catching frisbees and doing clever things like dogs I don't know I don't understand I don't think I think that's a bit too cryptic it doesn't tell you anything I have to say though it does not beat the EE commercials Ah, with Kevin Bacon. Yeah, I can see that, but only because it has cats in it. I don't think there's any other reason. Like, at least you get what Kevin Bacon's trying to say. I mean, a cat's just catching a frisbee. The only one useful text message I did get on this from our audience was talking about this to-go business, which seems to be the product that these uh, dogs and cats are all about. Do you know much about to-go? I don't. It's a nice little idea. The idea is, if you're on the O2 network, unfortunately I am, there are situations where your phone battery dies or you leave the phone at home. The idea is you can carry your O2 number around with you in a number of different ways. So you can get an application that works on tablet devices, so that's Android and iOS devices, as well as smartphones, and also on Windows 7. And the app is linked over the internet to O2. So if you get a phone call, your tablet, your PC, your phone all ring. One number, 
multiple devices. You can have up to five devices, I believe it is, and one phone number, your texts, your voicemails, and your voice calls, all on multiple devices. So actually, not bad. No, that's quite good, actually. Worth having, I think. A little bit of a word of warning, though. Of course, if you do receive unexpected messages or messages that you don't want your partner to pick up, do be warned, they'll appear on five different devices. So it's uh, five messages to delete. Oh, dear. That could... Oh, I can see a lot of divorce happening through this. So I've got it installed here. This is it. And you can see... What have we got down the bottom of the screen there? So you've got your timeline, contacts, keypad and settings. And it's all basically driven through timeline. So if you look at the timeline, you can see what it's done is picked up photos from my Facebook feed against the name. So there you can see my text messages. You can see I've got a missed call and you can see voicemails. And look, there's your little picture. So your little text message to me yesterday has appeared there in my timeline. Oh, how lovely. So this is rather a nice little idea. And evidently O2 feel that they're sort of a dog because they can do this kind of clever stuff. Sold? I really like the app. I'm not sold on the ad. Fair enough. Instead of being something feline and canine based, shall we talk about some fruit now? Oh, let's. And what's your favourite fruit? Raspberries. Well done. So what should we talk about? The raspberry pie. You knew that was coming, didn't you? Because on my desk, you can see one of those. Go on, grab hold of that. I can. Here is my little raspberry pie. And we have been challenged to build something with this Raspberry Pi. A couple of shows ago, we didn't quite get round to it last month, but it is very much on our to-do list. And I have a little case for you. This is to get you started with your project. A transparent case, cost about four quid on Amazon. Can you put our office Raspberry Pi in this case? Well, I can certainly try. Oh, look at you. Didn't even break a nail. I know, I know. I'm quite impressed actually. But I can't get the lid on. It's in. Look at that. So here we've got your Ethernet connector, your two USB connectors, your power connector and your HDMI connector all sticking out of the box. So there you go, for four quid you can neatly box your Raspberry Pi, which is better than what I used to do, which is blue tack it on the side of my desk. But uh, <laughs> there you go. So I was rather fortunate. I was at Bletchley Park. What happened at Bletchley Park? Oh, it's the home of the code breakers. Indeed. And I was there in July with the amateur radio boys, seeing what they were up to. And there I bumped into Pete Wood, who's a lovely chap from RS Components, one of the leading suppliers of the Raspberry Pi in the UK. And he told me just what this little computer is capable of and why every home should have one. Well, the Raspberry Pi is a fantastic piece of kit. It was designed to address a lost generation of computer programmers, hardware guys, uh, pretty much the PlayStation generation we have today who didn't get access, like I did in the 80s, to Commodore 64s and Sinclair Spectrums, going down the newsagents, getting your magazine, typing in the code for hours, trying to run a game, you know, knees on the carpet, you know, for hours and hours on end. The kids today lost all of that, you know. They know how to use tech, they don't understand how it works, right? So the reason why the Raspberry Pi was developed is because Eben Upton, one of the guys who invented it, saw that there was this massive decline in computer science graduates, hardware engineers, etc. Really concerned him, you know. We don't want to lose the engineers that we have today for the next generation, you know. We're going to lose all our engineers and they'll all go overseas. So the Raspberry Pi was developed for them to learn programming uh, from the outset. What's been really cool about the Raspberry Pi is because it's such a low-cost, cheap 
piece of kit, uh, the hacker community, all the techs, the geeks, all the guys have picked up on it and they've started creating all kinds of brilliant little projects. You know, they're writing code to control little bits of hardware add-on boards that they've designed, whether it be something, anything simple from uh, a digital signage application to controlling your broken garage door opener and opening it with your mobile phone, running an Xbox Media Center platform, uh, again, control with your mobile phone so you can watch all your movies for the fraction of the cost of your Apple solution. But there's so many things out there that people are doing. Um, I run a Raspberry Jam over at Oxford. There's a network of Raspberry Jams, which is basically a geek up where people get together, bring all the tech that they've designed using their Raspberry Pis, show it all off, share what they've learned, teach other people how they've uh, done the actual stuff. And it's a really great community spirit of that. When I first hooked up with Eben Upton over at the foundation, he thought that we'd sell about 10,000 boards. And I think to date they're over a million now. Um, it's just been absolutely incredible, the adoption rate. And we can't build these things fast enough, right? So, yeah, I, I just think it's a great way for kids today to learn about technology at a grassroots level, put down the PlayStations, pick up a keyboard and a mouse, start coding. And um, there's so much information out on the Internet. Um, and, you know, it's just a great way for kids to learn about technology. Absolutely. Fully agree with that. I was one of the very early ones on the waiting list when they very first came out, the old uh, A and the Bs, I think it was there. Uh, what are the spec of these things now? Because I know they've got a recent addition, haven't they? Right, so there's actually two models. Uh, they first came out with a Model B, and it was uh, it specs, it's an ARM 11 processor. It's a 700 megahertz processor. You can overclock them to about a gig. I've done it myself. They do a little bit warm. The original Pi uh, came out with, see, the Model B, $35 computers, it was coined. Then they brought out the Model A, which is the cut-down version. It basically loses the Ethernet connection, brings the power consumption right down. So if you're doing a, a, a remote application that's running off battery, etc., uh, you can save so much more power and get much more life out of your battery. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's amazing. It's uh, for 700 megahertz processing power with, uh, I think it's uh, half a gig of RAM on there now. And, of course, the SD card uh, is like your, your hard drive. I think I've known people use up to about 64 gig the actual os itself takes about two you know so you've got all that space to add your videos and anything that you're doing or you can hook these things up to nas drives or whatever you want to do but uh yeah the spec is pretty impressive we were running some hd video back there on the xbmc player it was really smooth there's no jitter uh, the audio is incredible uh, we've also got uh, Minecraft running on one of the other ones. It runs really well. Um, and we, there's people who are building uh, Bitcoin miners. It probably struggles a bit to do some of that. But, you know, it, it's a really versatile piece of kit. And for the price, you know, the great thing is you buy one to do one thing. And rather than take it to pieces and do something else, you just buy another pie and, and start building kits. So I've got about 10 pies myself in the minute, I think. And, of course, that's what's not really coming across here on the radio is A, the size, and B, the price. So uh, can you just give us a physical description of a pie? So the pie is... a credit card size computer so uh, it's got the uh, GPIO pins that give you access to the processor and you've also got your HDMI connector for your telly and the audio connections for analog and uh, video as well if you want to use those there's a couple of USBs on there and uh, there's obviously the Ethernet port as well so it, it's really really small uh, there's a massive industry out there for boxes people making boxes for them uh, you can stick them behind your telly I've Velcro mine to the back of my telly for my XBMC you know you, you get that foot in your pocket basically they're a pocket size computer and uh, the great thing about them is is that you can take them anywhere you know you don't have to lug it around uh, if you've got a little small keyboard uh, uh, with a little mouse tracker and, a and your power supply and you know off you go you can you know stick it in your bag so well you can certainly give me a help helping hand here because uh, in the last show uh, we featured um, a listener's email where they're asking us to try and 
build our own PVR, okay. one of these recording bits of kit. Yeah. Uh, and it can be done, and it can be done very cheaply. Now, I've got the Pi, I've got the Bluetooth keyboard and the mouse, and I can connect it up to my tele via HDMI. What do I need to get this PVR going, then? You need to get yourself probably uh, one of the uh, distributions. I'm, I'm sure there's probably a version of XBMC. Uh, I've got one called Dark Elect, I think, which allows me to do things like BBC iPlayer and stuff. I'm pretty sure there's one out there somebody's wrapped up that's got a PVR functionality in it. Uh, I, the other thing is, I don't think we mentioned the new camera that's just come out. There's an HD camera there, so in terms of a PVR, you could actually turn it into a mini security camera as well and start ripping video back and storing that. You know, that's a great thing about the internet, as uh, the world we live in. Uh, there's somebody out there who's probably already done it. Most of this stuff is open source code, so you can just go up there, find it, bring it down, use it. And if somebody hasn't done it already, uh, if you're a little bit savvy with code, you could probably quite easily put something together yourself. Okay, and uh, just for the benefit of the audience that haven't stumbled across these, these are very cheap little machines, aren't they? They are, so they retail around. So the Model B uh, is about £22, and uh, what you get is basically the board on its own. The great thing about the Pi is that it was designed so that you could use accessories that you should find lying around the house. USB keyboard, USB mouse. It's an Ethernet connection, so... The RJ45 connection there, uh, and uh, you could use a wireless dongle on it. Uh, they're pretty much plug and play now, and a connection to your screen, so an HDMI cable. So most people have got flat screens these days. If you've got an older school monitor, uh, there are little adapters like I've got that take your VGA uh, in. Uh, so you can pretty much use them anywhere. And uh, the Model A is uh, about ten dollars cheaper, about five pound cheaper. Uh, most mainly benefit for that is it's the much lower power, so it's great for those applications. But yeah, it is such an inexpensive piece of kit. You know, everyone should have one. We sell them at RS. Um, I run the engineering community at RS called Design Spark. Plenty of projects and things on there. If you want to go and look on our website for Raspberry Pi, um, we've got a great resource center on there as well. You can find all kinds of things that people have done. In fact, we've got guys in commercial world adopting this now. And there's no way they can design a board for $35 if they're building 100 boxes a year. Uh, there's guys doing digital signage applications. Uh, we've got one ourselves running in the office displaying health and safety information. And we just broadcast out a new uh, file every so often that goes onto the open office and displays a PowerPoint of all the health and safety information. You know, a very, very cheap, inexpensive way of doing digital signage excellent right well i'm sold i've already got one but now i want another one i just thought of a couple of other ideas there sure. uh, if someone does want to pick up one of these and get experimenting where would they find them uh, so rscomponents.com uh, we've got a pi store there so if you're a business user you can get for your usual rs account or there's a pi store for for regular consumers all the accessories are on there too if you're a complete newbie to all of this you can buy a pre-programmed operating system on a card or if you're feeling a bit more adventurous which is what the pi was designed for go and take down the operating system yourself and image it onto the card get started that's the great thing about the raspberry pi it's generally not an out-of-the-box experience and this is what it's all about although they've made uh, a new uh, operating system now called noobs which has come out recently which makes it easy for uh, somebody who's not into this at all to get started i encourage people who are a little bit more savvy to go down the the nostalgia route rip down the uh, os copy it onto the or image it onto the sd card yourself get to the command line start typing in your code and off you go you know uh, raspberry pi by the way was called raspberry pi a because raspberry's the reference to the fruit that's ever around blackberry apple that kind of stuff pi stands for python which is the programming language of choice so um yeah get into it uh, get your kids into it i'm doing an event next week with a bunch of mums up in london to try and get them into learning about pies they're so simple you know in effect anybody can use them you can be as simple or as complicated as you like and uh, one Pete to another. Thank you very much for selling me the pie. P-I, not P-Y, of course. Absolutely. And uh, just remind us again of the uh, web address there. So it's rscomponents.com. 
Right, now this one here, this next little thing on our uh, to-do list today, was actually from our interaction section, but it's such a good little thing to talk about, we've pulled it forward. What is it, Kelly? This is Leap Motion. Yes, and we had an email in from Steve Abbey. Yes, he's asked for comments on Leap Motion, which he says sounds like an interesting device for hands-free control. Is it all it's cracked up to be? Have you had a play with it yet? And can you control Windows with it successfully? Well, if you remember, Kelly, we did have a quick look at some similar technology earlier this year when we were at Gadget Show Live. Yeah, if you remember, it's like the Minority Report where you sort of swipe your finger at a screen and it does clever stuff. Do you remember that? I do, though I was more focused on Tom Cruise. Oh, yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. Well, this is rather clever technology, and this is a little tiny box that you plug into your Windows computer, and you can use your fingers to do all sorts of controlling. Now, what we've got in front of us is our tablet device. We're just going to watch the ad. Now, I know you've already seen this, but just for the benefit of our listeners, just talk me through what's going on on this little video here. Okay, so they're squiggling with their finger at the moment, kind of writing a few bits and pieces on the screen. It's not actually on the screen. This is just in the air near the screen. Well, you know what I mean. It comes up on the screen. Oh, this way they're kind of zooming into Google Earth, now smashing some fruit. It looks like a bit of a game. And it's just waving your finger and waving your hands about. Apparently it can cope with ten different fingers doing different things at the same time. Always useful if you have two hands. They're now rotating the screen. Oh, you can play games on it as well, so you can use your fingers as a gun. I've always wanted to do this. Two fingers together using your thumb as a trigger. They're actually doing that on the screen and it's working. Fantastic. You can fly a plane using your hand motions. Oh, it almost looks like hands coming out to grab you. Angry birds. Angry birds with chopsticks, it looks like here. So it's not just your fingers that can control it. It's also like a pencil, a stick, anything along those lines. So it is pretty clever. It's nice technology going on behind here, recognising what your fingers are doing and effectively trying to replace the mouse so you can manipulate things on screen without having to click around with the old mouse. It's clever stuff. Apparently it can support all ten fingers with up to one hundredth of a millimetre accuracy and no latency, which is rather good. However, it's had some less than favourable reviews. We've gone pouring through all the reviews for this and it's one of those Marmite things. People either love it or hate it. A lot of people are saying it's unresponsive, uh, it's affected by light. If you've got a different kind of light in the room, it can't quite read the fingers properly. And another issue is you have to have special apps that are geared up to support this. And of course, not all the apps do. So a lot of people have said, brilliant idea, it just doesn't work. Other people, however, have come along and said, you have to give it time. You have to learn how to use it. It takes a while to get used to, and it isn't a mouse replacement. So it does sound at the moment, it's kind of good for gadget geeks, but it isn't really a mainstream product. I think it's a really, really interesting device to have, and it would be great to use um, your computer that way. I think if it's causing that many problems at the moment, it's probably not for mainstream use um, at home. But then it's only £70, isn't it? So... I mean, maybe worth a go if you're willing to invest the time to use it. I'm toying with the idea of getting one, just to put it through its paces, because you know me, I love all my little gadgets. Yeah, well, you are the definition of a gadget geek. True enough. The only thing I think I don't like is the idea that you have to use their Airspace app store to buy apps, and of course they're not cheap. No, and I don't think that that will last, to be honest. Nonetheless, it's worth a look. We'll put up a link to the YouTube clip up on our show notes. Do go and have a look. It does look very impressive, if you can get it to work. Oh. Good luck, Pete. Okay, now it's time to point the finger in the direction of interaction. Ah! Frequency cast. Now loading. 
Okay, it's time for your feedback now. If you've got a question to test us with or a comment on what we've said so far today, please get in touch. And Kelly, who's the first one from? Well, this is from Pete the Gas. He asks, can I run BT Sport in conjunction with my existing Sky setup? Of course, BT Sport is now in full effect and hitting the headlines all over the place. Uh, Well, the answer to this one, Pete the Gas, cool name, uh, is yes. BT Sport is available on Sky Channel 413 and 414. It's free if you get your broadband from BT, otherwise 12 quid a month. Another BT Sport question, and this one's from Mark Kerridge. I'm keen to get BT Sport HD using BT Infinity, but it seems that BT mandates I connect my vision box to my router via an Ethernet cable. That setup to us is not practical as the router is in a different room to the set-top box. At the moment, we're using the BT-supplied power line adapters. Why is there an issue with BT Sport? Yes, this is an interesting one for those that have got a router some distance away from the hub. BT will supply you with a very long Ethernet cable for free, but for many, running a long cable around the house isn't ideal. Many of the new channels that BT offers are over broadband, not via a TV aerial, and for HD, lots of bandwidth is required. Home plugs, those things that you plug into a home's mains wiring, may not have the throughput that's necessary. However, it seems for many that home plugs work fine, but not for everyone. Distance, make of home plug, plus the quality of the mains wiring in your house can all affect your speed. For this reason, it seems that BT don't support their online channels via a home plug, and they recommend a wired Ethernet connection. However, just because home plugs aren't supported, it doesn't mean they don't work. Good luck. Now, time for a podline call. Hello, I need to find out how to connect Nook Simple Touch Grow Light. It's looking for a password for the BT Hub 3, and I can't remember, so if you could help, thank you. Well, it sounds like you're trying to connect a Nook ebook reader over the internet via a BT Home Hub 3. You're looking for the Wi-Fi password. Now, Kelly, I've unplugged my BT Home Hub 3, leaving my cat at home without wireless access, and brought it in for you. Can you find out where the password is on this one? Well, it's quite simple. It's at the bottom. It is. Now, where's the password, though? Um, well, I would use the admin password. Well, you'd be wrong. No, why? Is it the wireless key? Yep, so on the bottom you've got the SSID for your wireless network and the wireless key. So they are the two bits of information that are needed to connect. Now, of course, this is on the bottom of the home hub, which isn't very handy if you leave your hub sitting down somewhere. Well, no, I guess if you forget to lift it up, it wouldn't be great. Right, turn it around. See that little tabby thing there that says pull to use? Ah, there you go, it's there again. But also with the admin password, so you do have to be careful and make sure you get the right pin. Yep, so you want the wireless key, not the admin password. The admin password is so that you can log on via a PC, but what you're after there is the wireless key to make that Wi-Fi connection. Perfect. Now, thanks to Peter Howav, he says, I heard your latest show and had to write in to say I was watching Terrestrial Freeview while a thunderstorm was rumbling around here in Medway and the picture and sound was rock steady. He also sent us a link to Gridwatch. Have you checked that out, Pete? Well, I'd not heard of Gridwatch, but it is rather nifty. Just uh, chuck us the tablet there. Okay, what can you see on the screen there? Well, it's, it's the UK national grid status. This is absolutely awesome. If you look at this here, at the moment in the UK, 31.34 gigawatts of power is being demanded by customers in the UK. So this is showing live electrical status. If you look at this first little dial here, 
at the moment 30% demand. So there's not that many people using electricity. But you can see 14% of that is coming from coal. 7% is that is nuclear. And then not much for wind. Look about um, 0.5 for wind there. So explain. It's just giving you a bit of a feel for where the demand is. So at the moment, the UK is mainly being powered off nuclear by the looks of it with a little bit of coal and whatever CCGT is, not quite sure what that is. Uh, not a lot of power coming from wind, but then it's not very windy at the moment outside, is it? No, that's very true, actually. It is a bit odd. i tell you what I found that's quite amusing, though, is watching this in the evening, when the ad break comes on in the middle of Coronation Street, there's a big spike on the graph which shows people are going and putting their kettles on. Really? Yeah, seriously. So, Gridwatch, Peter, thank you very much. I didn't know that site existed, and we'll be sticking a link to that one up on our show notes. Cheers for that, Peter. Now, time for a tweet. Last month, I went to see that marvellous film that was Alpha Papa, Alan Partridge, and I went without you. You did. I wasn't very well. Is that your excuse? That really is my excuse. I was sick and in bed. Right, well, Rob Dixon here doesn't believe you. Here's his tweet. I know. He said, did Kelly have a better offer? What could be better than a date with you and Alan P? You also skived off our little trip to the uh, G100 RSGB event where we were using the uh, RSGB's call sign, didn't you? I did, but it wasn't skiving. It just so happened that you jam-packed a weekend on the same weekend that the flu came. Okay, now there is one other event upcoming that your mum thinks you should go to. Really? Yes. According to your mum on my Facebook feed, you need to be going to an event in October. Are you going to bottle out of that one as well? Is this the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by any chance? <laughs> Could be. <laughs> I won't. I won't bottle out. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy Live is doing the rounds for the next few months. Check their website to see if it's in your area because it is a very, very good show. And it sounds like Kelly might be going. It sounds like that. Until she gets a better offer. Anyway, that's it for the uh, feedback for this show. If you want to ask us a question, pick the topic for the next show, or you've got a good little tip that you want to pass on to us, this is how you can get in touch with us. You can call us and leave us a voicemail. The number is 0208 133 4567. And not enough of you do that, so please give us a shout. Or you can drop us a text on 07882 043 521. Or, of course, you can send us an email via the Contact Us button on our site. So, until the next show... Be more cat. Meow. Frequency Cast. Shut down in progress. Thanks for listening to today's Frequency Cast. For news updates and to get in touch with us, go to frequencycast.co.uk. While you're there, click the Add Us to iTunes button. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Frequency Cast. Our shows are driven by your feedback, so please get in touch and tell your friends. Frequency Cast.